1: I'll kill you. (laughs) It is May seventeenth, two thousand twenty one. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a home before dark podcast. That was, guys, I, I'm good. Calling it a day. If you guys are, Kevin, that what was, are you
0: doing to yourself?
1: I was like, what? A perfect one.
0: Jameson's.
2: It's the it's the Caskmates, the Stout Edition. It's pretty solid. Oh. It's not bad. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, thank you guys for joining us on this lovely Monday evening without rain in the Atlanta area for the first time in what seems like forever. I am Tim Herb. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co host Mr. Dan James and Mr. Kevin Bradley, the last but not least in the middle. Later. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I just wanted to see how you would react to that, Kevin. I know I know you kept talking about getting third billing, which has never been a thing. So <laughs> I uh, I needed to test your mettle with that. Thank you, guys, as always, for joining us live on uh, on YouTube. If you guys are watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, thank you. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, notification bell icon. If you guys aren't already subscribed, you'll know whenever we go live. You can join us for this uh, little fun thing we call the trap and the fake trap now that we are broadcasting to all three of those platforms.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Lots of trap. familiar faces: Chiefs coach Steve Elliot Bevan, um, Richard Gordon, Brian Michelle, Dirty Bird Person. Yeah, thanks You're for welcome. showing up. It'd be great.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think Dirty Bird Person's first comment in the trap tonight kind of epitomizes the entirety of the weekend for all Atlanta United fans and I'm gonna quote him and say, eh, this game is really dull and uninspired. Oh my God. Oh my god. Oh my god at the Death Soccer is awesome. Yeah. Oh. It's uh not just not just the uh, Atlanta United game, but yesterday Allison scoring that header to keep uh fourth place uh hopes alive for for Liverpool was pretty pretty crazy. Um
0: it's finally earned that fifty million dollar transfer fee, right?
1: Oh yeah, because a league title and a Champions League trophy definitely didn't uh, definitely didn't do that. So uh, this is
0: awkward. Yeah,
1: <laughs> a couple other familiar names in the trap. Gabe Lahas joining us. Uh, Nathan Explosion of Metalocalypse fame joining us. Uh, yeah, that was um, Saturday night. That was pretty interesting. I will say, I am very happy and surprised that. We were staying. Uh, we went and saw my parents for the first time in a year and a half, which was incredible. We went to. Uh, I don't think any. If you guys have ever heard of this place, I would be shocked. Uh, anybody in the trap? or Anybody Arby's? listening? Yes, Arby's. We stayed in an Arby's. We got an Airbnb. Our Airbnbs. We we <laughs> went to Airbnbs and uh, we booked we booked a room there. No, we went Air, to Airbnbs. It's an Airbnb. Air... <laughs> There's so many possibilities, so many crossover possibilities. How is,
2: how, how have inspired brands? Okay. If you and, have and, to rate like over short term rentals as Arby's menu items, what would not? Oh dear God. <laughs> oh, but we stayed in a place called reform
1: or reform Alabama. And they had the game. They was on nice. uh, it was a little farmhouse playing, uh, playing on Bally sports. Southeast it was uh, it was pretty fantastic being able to watch the game. It was, uh,
2: Gosh so many emotions. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's one way to put it. I really wish I had the sound bite from last week's episode whenever I go. Two people that I think are really need to be criticized in Moreno and um oh my god. Mulroney. No, Mulroney, Let's talk about <laughs> how their performance has been. <laughs> 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 they end up linking up to win the game Saturday. So that was that was a befitting thing, you know. I think really my favorite thing that came out of this weekend was the fact that it didn't go nil nil. So Tim remains pointless on the season. Yes, I'm, I'm t- I, I am playing the long game. If
1: if if nothing else, I am playing the long game here. And uh, yeah, it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna win. I'm gonna crawl out of this hole. It's it's getting deeper.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad yeah this is uh this you've, a got, about of much chance. you've yeah. got about as much a chance of this as chicago fire does at this point five games in with one point on there but you have less points than chicago fire has this far into the season yeah you a, you
0: minus <laughs> points here tim
2: is that what we decided last week? If I if, if
1: is, is it like spades? I'll go negative if I yeah. if I bid nil. Okay, I exactly. guess I'm negative this time, guys. <laughs> Good God! You know what? I I'm happy to be wrong week in week out if we win. Like yeah, I just I don't I don't know. I I get in my head about these things because I'm constantly like, okay, well I predict a win every single time. I'm just a homer. I don't really know what I'm doing, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be a contrarian. I'm gonna go against Atlanta United here. I'm gonna say we're not gonna we're not gonna get all three points, and then we get all three points. I'm just reverse psychology. I'm like, uh, I'm the reverse Eric Quintana.
2: There you go.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna call it that.
0: <laughs> we'll keep it up, Tim. We need we need as many points as we can get. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I'm interested to hear your prediction this
2: week, <laughs> considering the opponent this weekend. <laughs> are you? Guys, are we going? Are we going double digits?
0: Yeah, probably against
2: us at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's going to be. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, we have El Octavio in the fake trap on Periscope. <laughs> uh, Octavio Mingura, our buddy, who had a normal uh, normal face in the trap. He said, honestly, we shouldn't have won this match, and I can't disagree. Yeah, it, it, seemed, it seemed very fairly evenly matched in the fact that there was not anything going on for the most part during the no, game. and
2: it was just yeah. back to the Atlanta that we have all come to see over recent weeks and certainly over the last couple of years, which is um, just possession for the sake of possession. And some of that is because of the way that Montreal approached the game too. But overall, I mean, side note, I just want to make a point about how great Moadu has been in the call box for Atlanta United. And I thought that him with Kevin Egan was I mean, week in and week out's been really great, but this week in particular, you know, it's rare that you hear a broadcaster kind of be critical of the way the team is playing or, or what they're what they're lacking in their run of play. And I, I really thought that his commentary this week in particular where it wasn't like atlanta was losing but there was certainly um something left wanting by all spectators involved and he hit the nail on the head at multiple times throughout the broadcast about what he think or what he thought should have been happening during the run of play and hats off to him for that
0: yeah i like him a lot better than dan Goggin. to be quite honest i think he's more fluid he uh He talks his mind. I feel like he gives a better perspective on the game. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, is interesting w- because, like,
1: I, I, well, he played at a higher level for longer than Dan Gargan, I would say. Not to, not to discredit what Dan Gargan did in MLS, but Mo Adieu played overseas. He, uh, did he captain Stoke at one point and captaining Rangers, right? And in playing, you know,
0: I think yeah, so. I, don't I, I just remember him. He was a highly billed kid. Um, and I don't think he ever, Lived up to his full potential. Potential. Oh, it sounds like Michelle disagrees. I'm
1: interested to hear why. So Michelle disagrees about Moa do. No, I, I like, like your. I, I do like sounds your like point. It. I do like your point about him being impartial because that is, it, I think color commentators more often than not. And I think it might have to do with the short history of the club so far that we don't have a player. Like, it's not like Michael Parkhurst is sitting in that seat. Right. It's like, you know watching any other sports you know regional broadcast oh michelle says she loves moa do she okay. must must be thinking yeah. about something else
0: dirty yeah. bird person saying you're thinking Freddie adu and yeah yes. i'm actually right thinking that so <laughs> i don't no. know anything about us mnt soccer
1: no moa do had a great career um and he was a fantastic midfielder um but in terms of the impartiality, I think that's it's such a great quality, and it's unexpected watching so many other sports and their local broadcasts that have um, homers essentially that played for the team, and they're constantly going to be going, uh, you know, going in favor of their team. But I mean, Dan Gargan wasn't an Atlanta United player; he was brought over. I think he played most of his career at, in LA Galaxy or at LA Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken. And he was not as critical at the times it needed to be, probably. But I agree. I think Mo Mo dos Uh, color commentating uh, alongside Kevin Egan's amazing. I I hope we never lose Kevin Egan. I think he's fantastic. And then nothing makes me feel more self-assured about our broadcast choice than to listen to enter Miami's regional broadcast choice. I cannot stand listening to Ray Hudson. I know he's like this legendary guy, but it's just, is Ray Hudson, right? That does the color commentary for Miami. I don't know it's the worst
0: (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is i'm pretty sure it's right is he the guy who it sounds like every time he says a sentence he's inhaling but you never hear him exhale it's like oh yep he's coming up to the ball yeah probably oh he's gonna take a shot with him yeah it's like dude breathe out man breathe out (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, anyway yeah uh, i can't stand it
1: yeah uh Michelle says she disagrees with mine and Kevin's perception of the game. I don't know what Dan hasn't really weighed in on his thoughts about the game in general on uh, on Saturday.
0: So, again, I didn't watch it live, so I didn't have all the emotion tied behind it. I watched it afterwards. And um, I guess partly because I know the end of it. I know the score, obviously, because I'm following that live. Um, I can I feel like I can just sit and watch the game and kind of be entertained. Um, I didn't think it was horrible. I thought that we were, I thought that we potentially should have, like coming into the game, I felt like we should have done a lot better than we actually did. Um, But there were a couple of of interesting moments. Like I thought, oh my gosh, I thought everyone was going to crucify Marino after the game, but thankfully he got the goal. But I didn't think he was that bad. I feel like again, it's just time and chemistry between the guys that are going to sort some of these things out. I thought he had a couple of few through, through balls that just um, to were to people who were out of position, and also like, I mean, the I, I thought Hyman played pretty good too. I mean, he had the um, the disallowed goal, which was a great piece of um, soccer, which was purely needed, and we haven't seen someone just storming into the box and rocketing um a shot right into the net. But and he's course, one of the only people taking shots outside the box right now too. <laughs> right. Men, you know? And then he had the, uh, yeah, he had that rip from the top of the 18 yeah. that went it just, like it just, went wide, just yeah. wide and the yeah. keeper was beaten. And like, he, and he was, he didn't even move on it. Yeah. Right. So he's been, he's been a good ray of light. I just feel like people just want, would they want 2017, 2018 at United. That's what people want. And we're frustrated that we haven't got it because um, we've won an MLS Cup and now success is measured on the next MLS Cup. That's going to be the truly successful piece, I feel like. But, um, but if we're not scoring 4-0 a game, you know, four goals a game, then we're not going to be... We're not going to be the 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 darling that everybody's right. looking to for us to be.
2: That's not my expectation personally. Uh, I mean, Tim, is that yours? I don't think either of us are clamoring for Atlanta well,
1: to be. I mean, we haven't gotten to positives and negatives yet. My negative is that we only we won one nil and we didn't lose three to four. You know what I mean? Like, I would exactly. rather uh, I would rather uh, lost exactly. three exactly. to four on on s- Saturday. You know, the, Joga Bonito. The beautiful game, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, it's it's a rebuilding project. I, mm. I, that's the thing, right? Like it it shouldn't have ever been a rebuilding project. But in MLS, maybe that's the expectation we should have when we're not a team like Seattle yet, or a team like Portland, or a team like who else would be in that vein? Even LA Galaxy. I mean, they have years where they they're downtrodden, but they're almost always a powerhouse and some in some capacity and and contenders to win their their conference, I I honestly yeah I don't have any sort of outlandish expectations for what we can achieve this year. But that said, I feel like the East is pretty wide open. Um, I think Columbus probably I don't know where they sit in the standings right now. Um, are they are they in first? They are mid table. No. Oh okay, no. that's what I figured. Um, and they'll write the ship you know, Caleb Porter's an amazing coach. You have Darlington Nagby and the like in that, in that team, I think eventually, and they're coming off of a hangover from winning the title, but I think the East is pretty wide open. I mean, you have players leaving key players that left early on in the season. And, um, you know, like, look at Brendan Aronson's departure from Philly. I I know that hasn't played that huge of a role yet, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, I have, I don't have Again, I, I don't have unrealistic re- unrealistic expectations. I think I just want to see the team get
0: better week by week. And I think that's generally speaking, I think we're seeing that. I think, so you've got um, Octavio Mangura, Mangura's uh, comment tagged up there. To the team's credit, this was the first match where we didn't run out of gas and drop a match. I mean, we didn't have to deal with Champions League. So, yeah. you know, you expect the guys to be have a little bit more energy, Um, and put more effort. And I I think we did. I think we put the same amount of effort in. We just had more stamina to pull on um, in order to finish out the game. I just feel like the team didn't – I mean, they had more stamina because they they
2: didn't play that they were playing in those first couple of weeks in Champions League, right? Like the the team that played those first two or three weeks in Champions League has not been present the past couple of weeks in play. It's been – a mindful transition into possession-based tactics, which I I agree that there was a lot of development over this past week. And certainly, like, even if it's nil-nil, it's better than a three-nil drubbing of Atlanta United. But at the same time, like, I think it's just frustrating. The people that were frustrated, and my personal frustration, was that there was so much opportunity that Mm -hmm. the players were just – like whatever mentality or whatever tactic went into that match had gotten so embedded in the run of play up until the last, uh, up until stoppage time. Like if Atlanta had, I'm not expecting for those five minutes to be for the full 95 minutes but at least like show me spurts of that throughout the game. Like it it just got so repetitive where there were times where I was just like, come the fuck on. Like every time the ball gets passed in open space, you're going to still pass it back towards the back line. You're not even going to take a turn or you take a turn and you've got 20 yards until the next midfielder and you're still just going to play a lateral pass. Like, it's it's those kinds of things that get to be a little frustrating because if you're not doing those things, and that's what again, I just love that Moadu was able to capitalize that on the capitalize on that in the broadcast, where it's like you have to do that to start to draw your opponent out of position to open up those lanes to build into some offensive playmaking ability. And that's sort of the next step that I'm hoping Atlanta gets to. And I just don't know when that happens. And a lot of that is Barco being out, Hosetu who's now back in the lineup, but not playing a lot of other factors, but overall over the course of the match, I joked on Twitter saying, I thought that Atlanta's attacking arrows were all going to be pointed back towards our own goal more than they were towards the other end of the field. Cause that's where most of the passes seem to go.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it seems like we're an easy team to defend against because you have just put a little bit of pressure. A little on them, bit of pressure, yeah. and it's going back. Like last week, I think be- uh, Bello. I think probably like eighty of his pass, eighty percent of his passes were backwards, yep. and it is frustrating. Like they get that little bit of pressure on the wings because that's supposed to be where we're strongest. And it just goes back and back and back. But I, like, Except for Lennon. Lennon
2: is the <laughs> only person
0: that seems to just take
2: the ball up and then do something with
0: it, it seems yeah. like. I mean, he was he was on the receiving end of a couple of bombs, I think from, I mean, there's been a bunch from Sosa Hyman. I think Moreno's even put some in there, and he's bombing down the field. But you want to see that from Bellow as well. I You know, playing these guys is more of a, of wing backs, which I I think we're doing as it seemed like we were just playing three in the back again um you really want to push them forward and really get up the field and come on let's let's have someone for them to pass to right there rather than to happen to wait a little bit for someone to catch up and, and be present so it's, but it's um, a balance.
2: It's a balancing act because the yeah. other side of that is what Atlanta was getting exposed on the first couple of weeks of the year, where it was like they were too heavy handed in the attack and the back line got pulled so far out of position that Sosa was run ragged having to cover and Bello wasn't tracking back and didn't have extra coverage and the back line was getting exposed. So it's like we just need to get those two things in sync at least for a proportionate amount of the game on both sides of the ball. Tim, what do you think? Yes, no, <laughs> um, no.
1: I I agree. I I just I, it's it is a little frustrating. It's fun sometimes to watch pass around, but at the same time, like to see because there's something I think to be said to be able to keep. If you look at touches, we had 814 to their 536 touches on on Saturday. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like the amount of possession and the amount of. Um, I mean, just the the accurate passing and and keeping playing keep away, as Kevin put it on Twitter. But I don't, yeah. I, the one thing I would say, like Brooks Lennon seems to be that attacking threat, seems to be, like you said, probing forward all the time. He reminds me a lot. Granted, he's playing right, right back, essentially right wing back. Reminds me a lot in terms of his play to uh, Tito. Mm-hmm. In that he's running very much on the on rail like railroad tracks, like he's running vertically, and that's I don't know if that's just how he's been deployed. I, I want to pull up his heat map. At least personally, uh, I won't share the screen or anything like that. But yeah, I mean his heat map is literally just that right side of the field in front of the fifty. So, um, he's he's just running on straight lines, which is fine. Um, his service, I think, has to get a little better. Um, I think honestly. It's it's a little lacking, but I, I don't know. It's I think Felipe had put it right where we don't really have the guy right now to make that quick turn and and uh connect the play from we're the missing midfield. Barco to do that's that. Exactly. He's mm-hmm. saying, you know, Barco is the guy who was doing that. And I think that's why we're seeing that lack of that right now. And I think that we're getting so frustrated is because we don't have that guy with a great first touch to be able to not just control the ball and turn and look for somebody to be, but be able to immediately make a play on the ball and be able to connect into the attack. And, um, well, it's been a
0: couple of times that you've seen like the, the first touch when I remember, I think it was last week, Joseph would receive a pass, but his first touch was too heavy. And the same has happened with Lopez. Um, so I think, you know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's everyone. Speaking of
1: uh speaking of being heavy handed. I would be remiss.
2: <laughs> How is that a good what, what,
0: what kind of segue is that? Heavy handed.
1: About not being heavy
0: handed. <laughs> no? about about being gentle, Tim.
1: Yes, about being gentle. Like the lawnmower four Support <laughs> your home before dark. Is brought to you by Manscaped, <laughs> who's the best in below-the-waist men's grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped or just
2: your head, like or this. your head, yeah. Look at that. Manscaped Go just launched their
1: fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. MLS is still on 2.0. Manscaped 4.0. You got to get your act together, Don Garber. Get on that 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code HBD at manscaped.com.
0: Is it weird that Kevin uses it for his head and his balls? No, no,
2: no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm
0: asking the question.
2: I actually bought using the promo code hbd i bought a separate blade because you're not supposed to do that you're not supposed to go back and forth that's that's not a hygienic thing to do so which brings me to my next point which is at manscape.com you can go and look at their products it's not just it's not just the trimmers they've got ball toners and refreshers they've got body washes anti-chafing ball deodorant who doesn't need that The boxers
1: are, the boxers are by far, they sent us a pair of the boxers by far the most comfortable boxers I've ever had. And I think I've, I think I told you guys, this, it says two things about me. I think just how cheap I am when it comes to boxers and just how comfortable these are, because these are kind of revolutionary.
2: They got the crop mop, which are ball wipes. Who who doesn't need that? Right. It's like a wet wipe. (laughs) (laughs) So take that out on the golf course. Need a little, little spot shine on your golf ball. Whenever you step up to the green. Get yourself some of those. Help you out. That's fancy. Whatever, whatever you're doing, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HBD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code HBD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for
0: the job with Manscaped. I'm glad I could help you with uh reminding people that you can get separate blades, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. You don't do that. Don't go back and forth.
1: That's how you get staff infection. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. You don't do that. And this it is the
0: special play. hat episode of H before D, by the way. <laughs> can I uh, – so are we done with the ad? Yes. Okay. Can I go over to – so Michelle was saying, doesn't playing it back reset the play? And she's absolutely right. It absolutely does reset the play. The frustrating thing that that I'm seeing is that either aren't any options to play it forward. So the only option, like Michelle is saying, is to just play it back, uh, which is frustrating. The other thing is you can see options – on the exactly, screen. Exactly. Exactly. And people and players are either choosing it to pass it back or choosing to pass it in a to a less dangerous spot, which is right. driving me nuts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think that and I don't think all that's gonna be remedied with with Barco in the lineup. I mean, we'll certainly see. Do we have any kind of an update on his injury or or a timeline? Nope. I haven't, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything either. Um Tim, you mentioned – and this will be kind of uh, a diversion – not diversion, but um, a deviation from the conversation. You mentioned Felipe's comments about Barco. Have you guys – I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it since it came out the day after we recorded last week. And we don't have to get into it. Every other podcast has already done so. But Felipe's article with The Athletic that came out last week about Carlos Bocanegra and the state of the front office – with Atlanta United Um, maybe just your overall thoughts and we've got to talk about it. What what were your thoughts on, on the article and and the comments that he made about Carlos Bocanegra?
1: It's certainly the elephant in the room right now. Right? Like, and it's not, it's hard for me to say that it's all conjecture because it was corroborated by so many, albeit, you know, anonymous sources. it was, it was pretty sad i mean to Brittany's to Britney's standpoint the whole the whole thing about bielsa might be the most disconcerting thing about the entire article right the fact that marcelo bielsa was uh, seemed like he was ready to come to atlanta united and boca negra just left him hanging and now what it i mean he went over took leads and now they're mid table in, in premier league and he's yeah. uh i don't know it's it's crazy it almost seems It seems like amateur hour, like if, if everything that was in that is, you know, is factual, which I, again, I don't, I don't know. And I don't pretend to know, but like that, it seems more than likely. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It says a lot about the front office and just kind of the mishandling of a lot of things seem to be pointing right at Carlos Bocanegra. And maybe that's why Paul McDonough was brought back
2: but my my thought about that is is it that way or is that just the way that the article is written and I say that because I think that that's the other framework that you have to put in here because I think that there while there's a lot of valid points and I, and I think it's gonna Carlos is going to be hard-pressed to keep his title going into next season. I think kind of the, the public outcry is probably going to get the best of him, particularly how that seemed to take place with the Frank DeBoer firing, it seems like, and especially if it starts to filter into the locker room and so many players having opinions on it. But my point on it is it was an entire article that literally just focused on one employee And I think you're going to be hard pressed to find any employee in any organization at any level that 100% does their job completely efficiently and has zero mistakes in a proven track record where everything is by the book. Like, While the Bielsa thing is a huge deal, and I know that, like, there was a comment about, like, it was Carlos's job to follow up with him, but, like, you would think a massive organization somebody else would have. And it's like, I don't know, that equates to me, like, not following up on an email or something like that. You know, like, it just seems like such a one off thing where I think. I think the writing is kind of on the walls for him next season, and I don't think he's going to stick around potentially, But and there's certainly a lot of other discouraging information in that article, but I don't think it's an isolated event where all of Atlanta United's shortcomings are just on him any more so than I thought all of Atlanta's shortcomings last year were under just Frank DeBoer.
0: Yeah, I think I – ag- I agree with you, Kevin. I think that um, – I think Felipe is one of the better Journalists that we have uh, oh, yeah. covering Atlanta United and and just soccer in general, um, I think um, him ha- being so being bilingual really helps. I think it gives him a deeper understanding. Um, but I do think that he's the fan base will follow him blindly, and that's what I feel like this article has shown. Um, and I'm not doubting. Um, no, no work ethic or anything like that i but i agree with i think it's 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 one perspective um to the bielsa thing i think we dodged a bullet not hiring bielsa i think he would not have been great in mls i think he's i think he gets like the the quote that's taken out of the article is like um because because Bo- Negra didn't call him back um be told his agent okay never accept any more calls from them i mean is that kind of i mean that's kind of a red flag there if you're going to go off like that because someone didn't call you back and i mean there have been job interviews i've gone on that i thought have gone great and i never got a call back and i end up calling and saying exactly hey remember me you know we had that thing okay yep Oh, oh, you've just hung up on me. Okay, that's fine. Uh, right. And I realized that it's not as nowhere near as high profile as as what they're trying to do uh, with Atlanta United. I just kind of feel like it. a lot of it's been taken out of context. A lot of it is from anonymous sources, and I'm sure Felipe talked to whomever and obviously they wanted their identity kept, but it's again the counter-argument, it's an anonymous source. I mean, I've got 10 anonymous sources on what Kevin did last night. So, <laughs> so I think it was that, just me and you there. So I don't know how you found all these other people. Well, I can corroborate it. So, <laughs> I, mean. so I, I feel like there's, yeah, I think it puts some more pressure on, on Negro, whether he um, really cares about it, whether the, the front office, you know, care about it as much. I mean, I know Darren was interviewed on, 99 I never got to hear the actual audio from that but he was pretty irritated with with the article um and I think in either way you're still an outsider expressing an opinion on something that you weren't in the room for uh I mean that's I mean that's kind of like sports in general really um commentating on sports So, um
1: but, you know so I'll I'll play counter to this because I get what you guys are saying. And I've had that reaction to kind of going back and forth with this whole thing. And, mm. but it's not just one side of the story no, when, no. when, when 10, when it's 10, it's, when it's 10 against one, it's not one side of the story. I mean, it's majority of the organization, not the majority of the organization. Cause it's, you know, the organization's more than <laughs> whatever, 20 people, but it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like the people that went on record or not even on record, but the people that went to talk to Felipe and and mm-hmm. gave him this account. That's a lot more people that have come that then have come out to deny it or to come out and, and to even correct any of it. And I think yeah. that part, mm-hmm. but, but again, like Felipe is, and I don't, and I don't begrudge him for this. I think he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do because if, oh, you look absolutely. At, mm-hmm. if you look at any of the high profile, so look at the highest profile guys in each of the leagues. I don't follow NHL, so I, like, I don't know who the, the Adrian Wardronowski or Sham Saranya or um, Adam Schefter of the, of the NHL is, but there, there are guys that get legitimate news before everybody else never put a source to it or never put it, like a name to a source. But they're entirely credible, and I and I, unless it comes out that those sources were not credible in the way that they're, um, that the, the in the way that they were can, coming out to uh, Felipe, then I have no reason to believe that Felipe is just like making this up mm-hmm. or twisting things or portraying it in any way that isn't just laying out the facts of you know what he what he got so.
2: I don't know. No, I completely agree. And I don't think it's a, it, it's just like talking about the game. Right. And maybe this kind of gets us back on board with talking about the match again. Like, I don't think that that entire article or all of the actions of Carlos Bocanegra are entirely positive or entirely negative. And I don't think that his entire tenure at Atlanta United can be summarized as entirely positive or entirely negative as a result. And I certainly don't think that article was structured in a way that you can read it and say, okay, everything he's done is terrible. I mean, even the stuff that was written in there, like certainly some of it was more damning to him or his tenure and what his involvement is in the club. Just as much as we can talk about Bielsa's involvement being overstretching. And I think Brian or somebody mentioned like, um, the fact that he wanted to have so much control over thing, or Kevin Escobar, it's a red flag to ask for full control over the roster as well, like especially coming into MLS with everything that's involved in the league. like And like Dan said, I think that we ended up on the positive side of that, all things considered, with Tata coming in. It's the other stuff like the contracts and, and players slipping through the cracks and stuff like that that's a little bit more frustrating, but I don't think it's entirely – one way or the other but unfortunately because he was singled out and the court of public opinion is going to be involved i think it's going to be a hard challenge for him to overcome it as a result of it so
0: yeah i think octavio mingura his comment the more infuriating except is how boca bungled the darlington contract extension absolutely when i read that i was like yeah Seriously, you promised him that, and then just well, like, eh, we're not. Gonna and, it, and it's not like he underperformed.
1: It's not one of those things where you <laughs> brought a guy yeah. in and you were like, okay, we'll give you a tier ex- extension, and then he was, you know, whatever didn't didn't live up to anything. And you're like, okay, well, we didn't really put pen to paper, so sorry, you didn't work out. It was maybe the most crucial part of this team outside of Joseph Martinez. A healthy Joseph Martinez was Darlington Nagbe. Like, I mean, we keep talking. Yeah. How many weeks? in and out of, you know, off season where have we talked about the Nagby replacement? And finally it took us, you know, a year and a half. And
0: I think we might actually have one. Um, I think it's different systems, but I mean, Nagby was so crucial to DeBoer's system in just shutting down attacks, turning it over and getting it back up the field. Uh, And to, I mean, just to, just to not keep those promises is, right. is, is ridiculous.
1: Does that just, do, like,
0: does it say anything to you guys about like,
1: w- sorry to cut you off, Kevin, I'm just thinking about like the sentiment behind FDP out and not, he's not a coach, but like, it seemed like he was in the dark about so many oh, yeah. decisions. like, how much of like him not having any control over the roster he doesn't have his guys right like and that's mean, the
2: other flip side of this is that like just as much as I mentioned bielsa wanting too much control the opposite can hold true where Negro can be overstepping the manager's role within the club and like there's got to be a there's got to be uh, checks and balances and he's certainly overstretching and that can be just as insidious to the locker room as a bad manager that doesn't have that culture instilled in the roster. So,
0: yeah, I think that in the other leagues, it's more common and teams will willingly give uh, coaches full roster control. But in like, I think to your point, I mean, the MLS, I mean, imagine Marcelo Bielsa dealing with and oh, Tam, and he's all. like, what do you mean you can't sign that player because you don't have enough imaginary money? What, yeah. what are you talking yeah. about? What do I sign yeah. up for? Um so, yeah, I could just imagine
1: him waving his hands like that. Like I mean, even though,
0: yeah. I mean, even um, I mean, but Felipe interviewed De after he left, and um, De Boer was like, "Well, they sold pity completely from under me." Which I mean, I feel like the most of the fan base was fine with that one. And then it was Gressel that was more shocking to him. Gr- like and that. then you know, we didn't we didn't have any wingers, so yeah. it's like, well, what what can I do? So yeah. that was that was unfortunate. You know, we were not far away from an MLS Cup final. That was really the best part that came out of all
2: this, which is all the memes and the tweets about it. You know, the... Oh, did you
1: did you make that one that you sent us or did you find that somewhere? No,
2: all of those were on Twitter. So like the Boca oh, okay. Out, which is the re-logo from the Cookout logo with his hair as the like flaming spatula, basically. the He wasn't the villain all along and it's... Pulling the mask off of Frank DeBoer. It's really Carlos Bocanegra underneath it. And then somebody doing the Felipe really came in this morning with the, and it was the thank you Atlanta yeah. United banner <laughs> with Carlos Bocanegra on there. So it was just all of that stuff was the best thing that came out of everything there. No, so. great. Yeah.
1: It was, it was pretty great to see that. But at the same time, you know what's crazy? And maybe it's good for this team is they have a scapegoat, right? If they, Always if do they, if they ever wanted. And maybe it was leaked. Maybe this stuff was leaked for a reason. I don't want to get conspiratorial, but I mean, there's when you have a front office that is consistent of not just a technical director, but like what is Darren president, right? And they both kind of share GM duties in a, like a traditional sense. Am I wrong in that? Like they and Paul McDonough yeah. at this point too. So yeah. you have three guys that could potentially be the fall guy for roster decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if those roster decisions don't pan out, it looks like we do have our scapegoat. And maybe, again, like to put tinfoil hat on, maybe. And it's not beyond the realm of possibility for stories to leak from the front office to the press to uh, kind of set that up. But, I mean, yeah. yeah it's So,
2: um, back to the roster from this weekend. Oh, no, no, back no. no oh, one sec. Oh, my God.
0: Second. Oh, one sec. Come on. See, I think Brian Diefenbach actually makes a really good point. Um, do you think we would get this reporting from Jason and Mike really down weird. here? Nobody um, else
2: here in Atlanta is doing that kind of stuff.
0: So people criticize them about they co- they pump their sunshine pumpers. They only think about one way. But, I mean, they're employed by the team. I think I think right? they all I don't think they're employed by oh, well, I mean, united. They're employed
1: by the radio station who has the contract for play by play. So right. it's like it's not like the athletic, which is a subscription based, independent journalistic institution that's supposed to just report on and and maybe that's not even i mean i don't even i didn't mean to cut you off i don't know if you're gonna make this point but jason and mike aren't reporters right they're not they're they're commentators and, and and um announcers broadcasters they're not doing
0: the investigative work that felipe is on a daily basis i mean they're not investigative reporters but i think they're still i mean i i think they're still journalists i mean well, yes, puts, like i mean i think I, jason, we are no we're not <laughs> i just think that i mean the body of work that jason longshore puts out is just i don't know how the guy it's has prolific it.
1: it's prolific beyond prolific right i mean it's mm. and i wasn't saying any of that to disparage what what jason and mike standings are to it to mm. the to the team or to the community or anything like that but i just think they they have different roles in what they're doing. And I think Mm -hmm. you should expect to have different results from what they're doing. I'm not saying Jason's not a journalist. I think that's, if I did say that's an absurd thing to say, it's not what I was getting at. No. I don't know if you put those words in my mouth. I was just saying he's not an investigative journalist. Like Tim. Whoa. Whoa. No, I'm just
0: kidding. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think they do a great job of, um, the content that they put out, I do think they're company men, though. I mean, they are. They have a lot more to lose if they criticize the team um, too harshly or kind of help speculate on that.
1: Um, well, it sounds like they did address it, and neither were happy with it, according to Michelle and Coach Steve. So,
0: yeah, they weren't. They weren't yeah. happy about it. But that's. But it, yeah, Felipe, Felipe is doing his job. That's that's what we need to see. I do. You know, I, man, I went real back and forth on, on the article. I was, I didn't know how to think about it. Um, But I think, you know, you've got to take a pinch of salt with that. That's why, you know, you can't just have one political opinion and then just follow that. You've got to understand the arguments from both sides. So have more than one source. That's more than a drop down. <laughs> well, so. well, Bo, I wouldn't call Doug an investigative journalist either. No, and
1: I agree with that completely. I mm-hmm. think he's there to—he's a beat writer, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean that's his role. Like he's a beat writer. He's there to just answer, ask questions, and take him down. He's not. I mean, the story that Felipe produced is like it's like a Rolling Stone t- yeah. style investigative yeah. report. Like that's, I mean, it's yeah, it was impressive to say the least. It's not the first time he's been that impressive, but.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Nothing like what we do here, which is just get together, drink, and shoot the shit. So Mm. uh, back to the match.
0: Mm.
2: What are you guys thinking about Joseph Martinez? He's gotten more involved over recent weeks, and certainly this week where he almost got on the end of a couple of headers that go in. We saw him get the goal last week, obviously. But week in and week out, to me, he's certainly seeming to get better and better. and We're we're getting pretty close. I think maybe another four to to six weeks he might look – you know some semblance of his former self but he's he's showing sparks of it at the very least so are we
0: looking for him to come like are we expecting him to be 17 18 type types of numbers or not thanks so, because of the team- more of the, like the under the Frank DeBoer era. I think under Frank DeBoer, because I
2: mean, you got to think like also under Frank DeBoer, the distribution network that he had, whether it was Miguel or with Julian Gressel, neither one of those are there. And not only Mm -hmm. has he been out of the lineup, but also the roster changes in the distribution network has changed again on him So it's like that has to get in alignment with him just as much as his own footing and, you know, playmaking ability. But I would just like that header. You just expect to go in under Mm -hmm. his normal run of form, you know, other touches. That's just like you said, like in a couple of times, his first touch is just very heavy footed. And it's like, you expect some of those things to be a little bit different.
1: But can I, can I just say that those are, he's not getting as many opportunities and those, those missed opportunities that you're seeing are the same ones that he had in the games in 17, 18 and in 19 Where he just has so many more opportunities from the distribution that he's getting, that he's putting other ones away. Like it's a good point. It's a numbers game at this point. You can't expect a striker to have that big of a that high of a conversion percentage. It really, to me, I don't. His his pace maybe is the only thing I see that he hasn't got back. But I mean, uh, who somebody mentioned it? Uh, Octavio Mangura saying Joseph is getting better. Played the full uh, ninety last minute. His his endurance is there. His vertical is definitely still there somehow with that uh, recovered ACL. Like his 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 work ethic is fucking phenomenal. The way that he's coming back and, and recovering for people and being able to try and trying to play the Barco role in that lack of a Barco role, being able to you don't normally see a number. I, at least I, I wouldn't say you would see a number nine doing hold up play that that far yeah. into uh, that far back towards their own half. But I, I honestly think everything's there. I think he is just missing the opportunities and the chance creation to really put anything behind uh, behind the keeper.
2: And I think the defenders are picking up on it because they were trying to put him in a chokehold at one point this past weekend. It's like, my God, like if he, he's testing that knee, every bit of it, every single game, it seems like because defenders aren't giving him a pass.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's good. Cause we should see more goals from other areas of the field. Right. I mean, Burke and egg group, Agri- was saying that, you know, we're trying to build a team that's not so dependent on Joseph. Uh, I mean, because that's, that's what Frank DeBoer was trying to do too. He was trying to get other outlets. But Tata was like, the focal point is Joseph. Get the ball yeah. to Joseph. And like you're saying, we didn't have, he doesn't have as many opportunities. Um, the transition is nowhere near as absolutely uh, breakneck and chaotic as it was under Tata. And, you know, and that that's really just scared opponents with having like four or five guys just sprinting as hard as they can down at you. So, you know, they've got more time, unfortunately now. But the other side of it, Tim, I
2: think is while I agree, it's a numbers game, right? Like it,
0: he's only as good as the service he's given,
2: but as he gets more comfortable and on the end of more of those opportunities, the better his service is going to get and the more frequent that service is going to get because players are going to mm. know that he's going to be able to get up and get that pass and it doesn't need to be at his feet or it doesn't need to be in this, it, like they can lead him a little bit more because his pace is a little bit more consistent with what he's consistently been able to do in the past or he can lead defenders a little bit more. Like all of those things are going to lead to additional service as a result. So I think those things are kind of mutually exclusive. So,
1: yeah. And I think to that point, too, he, his gravitational pull, as it were, for defenders to open up space and to open up lanes, I think will, um, will increase too. Now that, you know, they're starting to see him back to his, uh, his normal self. I mean, I think you see it already. Like you were talking about them mauling him and, um, I, I think he's going to start commanding more double double teams in the box and commanding more. Uh, I don't know, being able to faint and and pull defenders off or have multiple defenders pull onto him and be able to open up those lanes, and you'll you'll start seeing that more often, I think, and it's going to create hopefully create more opportunities for this team.
0: Yeah, to Will Bolron's point, I mean we've we've faced teams that are all in at least playoff position, except for Chicago Fire. Um, and as we go on we've got obviously Seattle, then Nashville after that, then Philadelphia, NYCFC, and then Red Bulls, and then Chicago Fire. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty it's a rough stretch, man. Kind of schedule, but then the thing is after we play Chicago Fire, it's Nashville, New England again, and then FC Cincinnati, and that's towards the end of July. So it's I mean, it's a lot. This first half of the season is is Pretty intense, and and you know, we need that, yeah. All right, hot. I like this, this
1: a, I like this, yeah. Because, do we have any idea other than form, uh, why and just a tactical substitution? I mean, not even tactical, it's like for like. It was not,
0: no. Franco was, they said on the broadcast, started... he was injured. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 okay he was injured. Sorry. Yeah. I, I,
1: uh... I miss that. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I didn't we didn't have the commentating up very loud. That
0: was yeah. Anyway, but I mean, we did score a goal when walks on the field. So it's true. So
1: what do you guys (laughs) think, though, Kevin? I mean, Alan Franco or Anton walks given you've seen enough sample size probably from both of them at this point.
2: I think that Franco is a little bit more of a liability as far as his aggression. Um, And I still haven't seen enough of the offensive playmaking ability and as much as I hate to say it, I think Dan's right. Like, Walks has made wait, a big. Wait, enough- wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. One more time.
2: Shut up. <laughs> as, like, I still think that both of these, I, I, I don't think that you're going to have a decision either way because of what Dan said. Like, Walks has made a big enough impact that you do have competition at the position. And like, while I think that Franco will continue to find his footing and potentially end up being that player that you expect to have that starting role. I just don't think it's been long enough and I don't think he's found his footing enough, but I don't think that he's a detriment in the lineup by any stretch.
0: I mean, it's great to have all that depth. I mean, I Franco should be that guy. I will be really surprised if he's not the guy in the second half of the season. Unless there's there's some sort of injury that prevents him from doing that. But um he hasn't he hasn't shown out great. Um I find it's weird that he's a DP. That was gonna be like, my comment. <laughs> it's weird where he's the D P because his transfer was only like a few million, yeah. And then his salary isn't it's, as much. It's 10 so, level,
1: right? Did they do it just to get did they, did they do that DP designation just to, like, get the, uh, whatever you call it, the the kickback or the ease uh, or, like, rebate on a salary? Not rebate.
0: What am I trying to say? The subsidy, right? Maybe it's be- – but the thing is, so we'll borrow on point. Franco getting brought down as a town player in the summer window so we can pick up another offensive DP. So we've got Joseph, Barco, and Franco as our DPs because we bought down Moreno. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand – why we bought down Moreno rather than Franco, because it theoretically it would have cost less money to buy down Franco. Though I I guess there's something I'm missing, but it doesn't matter. I'm fine with him getting bought down in the summer. I mean, hopefully we'll have more. Two spots um, at that point, probably. I mean, yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully
1: for all parties involved, it is. Again, cuz I just want to see him move on and do great things and right now it's we're talking about I just Barco, don't know, Barco man. It, yeah.
2: If he doesn't start getting some play time, I don't know if he goes on the summer window because I don't know if there's going to be enough interest. Like when does the window open? Oh, there'll be a suitor. Um July, somebody, I'm sure,
0: but not at the value that Atlanta's looking for. No, we'll be selling him for cost. But the thing is, we'll want to sell him cuz his contract runs out at the end of the season. No. And then so you can tell me work. I was
2: right that he's not a $30 million player. Well, he's yeah. probably, he, he probably one and one, baby. One and yeah. one.
1: <laughs> last year, obviously, to Dan's point, if his contract runs out at the end of the year, he would have been a much higher uh, transfer fee if he would have been bought last year than this year. Because yeah. what do you do? You, I mean, either you buy him during the summer transfer window or
0: you wait and sign him on a free, right? But then, yeah, I mean, you, you just take the risk. Like, this could really be him coming together, but if he's injured and if he goes back to the Olympics, he's just not going to have the time. So back to the discussion topic, looks like
2: most of the trap is saying walks uh, Richard Gordon. I never noticed when Franco is in, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I mean, I, I think it's pretty good as far as it relates to a defender, you know, he's not constantly a standout or a liability. Um, Will Barron of the opinion that Franco was a panic third choice at center back. They had to pick someone. They had to pick up someone, so they threw money at the problem. Um, Gabriel Lahas. We will see Franco and walks if Robinson gets called. That's a good point. That with walks or with Robinson For the Gold Cup, right? Well, even you know, looking at long term solutions, like Robinson seems to be our you know, highest trajectory defender right now, as far as how long do you keep a player like him in the lineup? And maybe that's why you bring in a Franco or something like that is knowing that like that mm-hmm. could be the wild curve ball in the transfer window for some reason, like Robinson goes or something like that because mm-hmm. he's consistently being a standout in this lineup. So.
0: Yeah, I could, I mean, I could even see him going this summer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Bello. Yeah. I mean, we might have to replace a left
1: back in the summer.
2: Speaking yeah. of left backs, did you see the first goal scored in the new Miami stadium was by your boy Breck Shea, Tim?
0: <laughs>
2: I saw the box
1: score. I did not. I, I wasn't watching the match.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. It seemed that like a old lot of,
1: there was a lot of hate watching going on by the Atlanta United faithful of that inner Miami match. It was very interesting. Twitter was a buzz with people watching that game and, no other reason than to just hope nothing good happened, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love. I love me some Breck Shea, as you guys know. So he's got that beautiful blonde mullet going on now. It, it yeah, it's very much a. It's just a straight <laughs> mullet. He just said, "Fuck it." I didn't um, understand his Phantom of the Opera celebration. He does some weird hand thing over his face. I didn't know what he was trying to say. He's no, that's confused. the symbiote it's very confused <laughs> it's, it's celebrating so... the the carnage and venom i don't know if it was like trailer commentary yeah. on masks and covid i, I don't know but... no it's um speaking of covid well, we didn't go. We didn't go to the match, but those that did, what were your thoughts with first full attendance match at Mercedes Benz? We didn't talk about that. That like this was the return to a maximum capacity, not maximum capacity, but full attendance game. They had what forty thousand and the highest attendance since the start of COVID for a soccer match internationally.
1: Yeah, no,
0: nobody's going to touch on. <laughs> <laughs> Great, just I mean, I'm forget it. I am happy to see things go back to normal. I feel like I'm just so worn down with COVID and everything. I'm really happy to see it going back. Mm-hmm. I know there's a whole bunch of like people unhappy happy with it. And there's, you know, calling it a super spreader event and everything. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that could, could be the case. More people could get infected of COVID, but I think what it comes down to is personal choice. If you mm-hmm. are worried about getting COVID then you don't go and if you're not that worried about it or you're kind of worn down by it by me uh I'm vaccinated so I'm kind of ready to be done with it all and take the risks um as as they are and the team made good on it like that was what we talked about a couple weeks ago was that
2: a lot of the fans got blindsided by this all of a sudden they're at full attendance but they did give fans the option to opt out for just may if they wanted to. And I, and I saw that they could opt out for the entire season, which I think Tim, you guys opted out for the season, right?
1: No, we haven't. They didn't give the option in the email. Oh, I thought they did. Okay. No, you,
2: it was like
1: special circumstances. We ended up just selling our tickets for the first game. Um, Yeah. It's difficult for us. I mean, it's, I don't know. You see so many conflicting reports about it. um, And I don't know. I'm fully vaccinated. Angie's fully vaccinated, but she is also pregnant in late term right now, so she's immunocompromised, and nobody knows what that means. Yeah, yeah.
0: She needs to stay uh, home.
1: My my circumstances are very different, so I will not be attending matches, nor will she. And um, but, I mean, it, it. I don't know. It's weird because it seems it seems so. What is the word I'm looking for? Taboo to see that now. Yeah, And maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it's just the the point of we've reached very high vaccinations and then give people the personal liberties that the Constitution grants them and just deal with whatever ramifications. It's your personal, like, I mean, every building in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, has pretty much had that notice on the door that says, if you get COVID and die from being in this building, it's your own fault. So, like, take your, yeah, take your health into your own hands, or Mm -hmm. it's your, your health is your own responsibility at that point. And I guess that's what we're rolling into because people have the choice to either do it or not. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's definitely foreign. It's like how much this has conditioned us over. Like Brian says, which is awesome. He's an ICU nurse. So he's happy to see this. It's been a rough 17 months. I agree. It's, it's weird to see. It's good to see, but it also
2: seems soon. I don't know. <laughs> I, the big thing, the other thing that I liked, and Octov- Octavio mentioned it, that they had the vaccination site set up at the t- at the tailgates and inside Mercedes Benz, which was awesome. And then props to Mateo. he's got his buddy to get his first shot at the tailgate, which is awesome. The other, the other question I had was, do you guys and Will, you guys will also, you guys in the trap will let us know. My understanding is the Gulch is shut down for tailgates now. And so is all the tailgates at the Home Depot backyard? What's going on? Like, where are the supporter groups tailgates occurring at now? Because everything's so different than the last time we were there because of everything happening in the Gulch development. I don't know where and how things are happening as far as tailgates go now. But
0: yeah. So. I, don't know. I have no idea. Tim, when Gold little when little Rosemary Herb comes, you're not gonna give a fuck about going to Atlanta United games. No, Marjorie. Marjoram <laughs> Marjoram, Herb. Marjoram. Marjoram. Yeah, Herb, Marjoram sorry. Herb. Yeah. Marjoram Rosemary Re- Herb. Yeah,
1: Rosemary's the middle name. Yeah. Gotcha. Marjoram Rosemary Herb. Yeah.
2: So is it time for the Dan load? It's the Dan Load. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you guys have any you guys have any other thoughts about the It's a special report. We got the Dan Load. <laughs> <laughs> any oh, other thoughts oh. about the Montreal game? We're good on that, right? I think we covered it. For the most part, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're coming up on an hour, so. <oscillator noise>
0: Atlanta United are going to get fucking killed by Seattle Sounders. Oh my gosh. The number of possessions lost per game is 146 by Seattle and 116 by Atlanta. So maybe that gives you a little bit of a chance that maybe Atlanta might pull this off. But with... Branch Metzer uh, just molding stuff together and changing formations, putting little tweaks in there, just destroying everyone in front of him. We're going to get killed. I've never been more proud to have you a part of this broadcast than I am right so now. So the goal conversion from Seattle is 21%, which is pretty incredible. Atlanta United is 13. So, you know, that's kind of like a good brings shots to goals and everything. Uh, they're scoring 2.2 goals a game to our 1.2 goals a game. Um, and tell you what, they've got an absolute killer in Raul Rory Diaz, who's probably my favorite Seattle Sounders player because he just goes off all the time. And Will Bruin, that guy's never going to die. He just keeps on producing and being a guy who they can rely on, which is really annoying. Every time – I mean, Seattle, you can never write him off anytime. Um, It's annoying we wrote him off at the beginning of 2020 and they came back and made it to the final. and. So they just keep on showing up. They've showed up since when was the last Seattle Sounders um, Toronto MLS Cup final? They've been, they you had know, two together, they've won one apiece. It was two uh, years ago, yeah. Highly, highly annoying. Uh, Christian Roldan's really cemented himself as the linchpin of this team. He's, I mean, he's scoring goals, He's. they just rely on him to put it together. And annoyingly enough, Alex Roldan, his one year younger brother, is killing it. I mean, he's a he's a young kid. He actually played in goal when Stephen Fry went off injured when um against um the game before last. He came in that all the subs had used uh, It's like the 89th minute Stephen Fry got injured, he did his knee in. Um, he put the gloves on and made like four or five different saves. Um, plus he's an incredible right back, he's getting up and down the wing, his past. His form in the past two games has been like 7.9, 7.6, which is uh he's he's in top-notch form. And I, I usually think form goes for at least maybe three to four games. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a good game against Atlanta. Um also our Jaeger, uh and Yamar. Yamar's been holding down. He's kind of like the Miles Robinson type guy. He's just been sweeping everything up. Um, and then they have another incredible, um, center back in, in new who I think someone was joking on Twitter that they would, tr- um, someone was talking about trading, uh, Rossi from LAFC for new who, and they'd be like, yeah, that'd be fine. They just need to throw in Vela as well. And then it would be parody. Uh, they seem to just mold to whoever they're playing against, um, They their there's num their stats are kind of all over the park depending on what team they're playing so there's no real like defined style that you can pinpoint them on so I expect that Atlanta United is going to just play our usual high high possession based game and they will eventually find ways to break it down whether they need to press or whether they need to not press, my guess is they're probably going to do what most teams have done against us and jam the midfield and then just kind of like put a wedge between us all and push the wing backs back. So we're going to be pinned inside our own half, making backwards passes most of the time. What's going to happen? They're going to be pressing more. They, they're pretty good on interceptions. They're one of the highest teams in interceptions, and they will probably just jump on our errors uh, and probably get, a few goals that way i'm not looking forward to this i'm probably going to watch this one behind my couch um so i am gonna just end this and say we're probably gonna get it's in seattle as well that doesn't bode well for us we've never won there i don't think we've ever beaten the seattle sanders i think we've got a draw and that's been about it um i'm gonna go with uh, two no loss and this has been the download. I like
2: it. I like it. Uh, some that thoughts was- from the trap. Um, Brittany, uh, Michelle hoping that we could please pump a little sunshine. I'll, I'll at least say that Atlanta is going to score one goal, but I still think it's a three, one loss to Seattle and our lone goal coming from jo- coming from Joseph Martinez. Um, Will Balron saying that they absorbed the pressure from the high press really, really well. Um, and if we don't score in the first 20 minutes, we're going to lose 3-0. Uh, Brian Diefenbach wishing that we had Nuhu. Um, when you watch Seattle play, from Brian Diefenbach, when you watch Seattle play like they did the other night, oh, my God, their defense is so good. Uh, Nathan Explosion, Seattle is scoring at least two goals. Um <laughs> pretty us just get to the inevitable. Uh, we're going to get railed. Uh, <laughs> I like how it's like still train themed for Atlanta United <laughs> Ch- Toot toot. Am I right? <laughs> Bellow is going frame. to get exposed multiple times. If he gets caught out of position, uh so is it possible that maybe we make an adjustment? No losses here. One one. I don't care. I'm hopeful, says Britney S. Yes. Gabriel Lahas, 3 nil Atlanta. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Elliot Beaven also yes. one one. <laughs> so
0: pretty uh, yep. early
2: on. <laughs> yep. Michelle one-one. I'll be happy with the draw on the road. That all that all brings me to you, Tim, because all the pressures on you as someone who hasn't had a single point yet this season. What are you thinking? I feel like the easy bet here is to, to <laughs> you call a Seattle win and we're fucking pull it out something. Yes, do it <laughs> too. <laughs> well, uh,
1: you guys will be happy to know that the game that I'm thinking of and I have PTSD from is the away game in Chicago in twenty
2: nineteen. Oh God. what was that three 0 us or they, they, they beat us? Was that three 0 uh, It was five 0 it was five. Oh, it was at, five nothing. That's right. That's right. Oh, that was, was so awesome.
1: It was five nothing at halftime. If I'm not That's mistaken. That's right. That's right. We so we drew.
2: We drew the second half.
1: But you know, positives, positives of positives oh, and negatives, which God. we'll get to from the Twitter reactions. But uh, I hate to do this. I'm going to have to say three nil Seattle. They are like by and large, to Dan's point, like they Brian, Brian Schmetzer is say what you will about the man. He he's a masterful tactician whenever it comes to MLS. I mean, he's,
0: he's better than Bruce Arena.
1: Yeah, it's, he really is. I mean, his, his ability to, to deploy tactics specifically to the teams that they're playing. And, into to, uh, I think it was Will's point talking about them just waiting until the second half <laughs> absorbing pressure and then just barreling past their opponents. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, I don't feel good about it. I'm going to say three nil Seattle. I um, watching Ra- uh, Raul Ruiz, Raul Rui
2: Diaz. If you talk about a guy who does not. He embarrassed they, us the last time we played them too. That little chip it, over the on the back line and just slotted it home.
1: Oof. And I will say, since he's, I think this is his third year at Seattle. I have not seen him play better than he's playing right now too, and yeah. that's scary. Like the yeah. the supporting cast that he has around him. Oh man. It's, it's going to be tough. And to Dan's point, seeing the other Roldan brothers start to, I, I have a hard time, and I, and I can't finish sentences right now. I have a hard time believing that they're not going to win MLS Cup at this point. Like, I feel like looking at years past, how many times they made it to the MLS Cup final, starting off really shitty. And the fact that they're already firing on all cylinders going into yeah. the sixth match of the season, is, I don't, uh, I don't, it doesn't feel good to me. I don't, you know, I just, I
2: just want to pull some positives and negatives out of that game. But how about LAFC right now? Bottom of the West. Who saw that coming? I mean, Vela hasn't been healthy, right? wasn't this his first game back after an injury or something like that. I think I saw, but uh yeah, they're mm. sitting bottom of the West right now. Um, Chicharito continues to light things up over there. Uh Galaxy sitting second in the West uh, Seattle, but they're they're playing pretty well, all things considered, as well. So
1: yeah. Um, Seems like
2: West is pretty stacked comparatively. What's, so
1: what's your what was your prediction, Kevin?
2: Uh 3-1 Seattle with Joseph scoring the lone goal from Atlanta. So all three of us predicting a Seattle win. Uh 3-0 for Tim, two-nil for Dan, three-one.
0: For me. Okay. So when you look at the odds on this, Seattle are minus one fifty-four and Atlanta United are plus four hundred. And then it says when the odds are plus four hundred, the expected chance of winning is twenty percent. But this team, Atlanta United, Atlanta United, all actually wins one percent matches with these odds. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shit. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's what's, what
2: does it give a you th- a line? Like, what's the score? Like, what's the what's the score line? Does it have that on there or just the odds for? What?
0: Uh, it's just the just the odds that I'm looking I got at. You. I just so didn't know if
2: they gave like
0: a gold differential. That, but, but you that think about point. all the the um, breakdowns in chemistry that I'm trying to excuse all the time and the errant passes. You know, they're just going to ram it down our throats. Oh, breath.
2: yeah. Well, because Atlanta doesn't want to turn. I mean, if if Atlanta plays like they did this past week, which you expect them to at least they're not going to just completely break the mold and not play like they did this past week. But if they're consistently not even turning to look at space or take those opportunities, Seattle's going to shut that down with a high press really, really quickly. And Atlanta, unfortunately, just doesn't have enough pace or players on the opposite end to run a quick counter if they happen to get some sort of a recovery or – players that seem to want to take that on in recent weeks. So uh, I I just, I don't have a good feeling about this week at all.
0: So we do
2: have, so Brian says, I predict that we have 80% possession and they have, they have twice the amount of shots that we do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That we need like, we need that first half performance against Philadelphia. That we have. yes and yes. and we need to co- and we need to also have the uh, 2018 campiones cup performance rolled into that as well yeah. and then i think we could potentially win one two one but it's it's going to be a grind all, all it yeah. is
2: going to be a grind like if atlanta wins it's not by multiple goals and no. Seattle's putting at least one in. So best thing, like if Atlanta wins, it's 2-1. At Like best case scenario, in my opinion. Like there's no way Atlanta gets a shutout against this team. And it's going to be a fucking grind to get that to happen. Yeah. Mm.
1: It's tough. Um, I would be remissed. If we didn't go back and look at the, uh, we got a couple positive yes. negative reactions on Twitter to the Montreal oh, we'll game. We'll have
2: to, I'll try to, i try to be better about the pacing next, next episode. I always forget about those. And then we end up doing them at the end instead of as yeah. we're transitioning into this. So, operations.
1: uh, uh, Gabe hashtag Sosa squad five Lajas AKA Gully Cuban 13 saying, uh, positive Mulraney on the left, negative passing backwards to Kevin's point earlier. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it would definitely work better. Um, uh, if we read these earlier, uh, Elliot Beaven saying positive. Moreno scored negative. Kubo did not play. Just kidding. Um, and then from uh, Pierce Hicks, a.k.a. Cursive Kid. What if saying, Kubo
2: scores a brace to win? That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: if, if Kubo scores a brace, I'll, I'll have to do something. I mean, I'm not going to get a tattoo or anything stupid like that. No, you'll have to
2: take out that lawnmower 4.0 and you're going to shave your head live on the show.
0: No, you'll shave his... You'll shave
1: his... I was going to say shave his bollocks live on the show. Well, I can't
0: do that. That might be illegal. Um, Uh... But we've got to win the game. It's and Cuba's illegal. got to score a grace for okay. me to shave my head on the show. It's okay. not illegal. It's just in this it. game against Seattle. No, <laughs> we're, not, we're not stretching this I out for like, to like the whole season.
2: You keep drilling into the fire. Yeah, that's right. right on this that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're going to make sure that this is, uh, there's some parameters around this. <laughs>
1: uh, and Dan, it's not illegal to shave your bullocks on the show. It is just against the terms of service. Uh, Pierce Hicks saying, <laughs> The positive, (coughs) bellowing proving. If he can match Lennon's, uh, that would be great. Um, I'm guessing he's being like his uh, Lennon's form. Uh, Negative right wing is our weakness. Good on Mulraney for the cross, but him, damn, and Lopez scare no one because they aren't goal threats. That
2: is absolutely for sure.
1: Ooh, I like Bryans, but this would require me to get into the Atlanta United subreddit. full
2: of... (laughs) the atlantic night brian how about oh here we go here we go because this is a podcast for the people by the people and so much of our content is generated from the trap brian we will do this segment but each week you have to email us your favorite shit takes from reddit and you just email them over to us and we'll we'll run through them during the show yeah i like it I like it. Put a little onus back on. Don't uh, make us do more work. You hear us having (laughs) to? Do you hear Dan's story about his lawnmower experiences last week? We're already doing too much work. He's putting his body on the line for
0: this show. Week in, week out. You people just want and want and. Dan almost, My liver enzymes are
2: through the roof because of this show. Dan, Dan almost gave himself
1: a homemade episiotomy for you guys. Just to prove to you how good the lawnmower My is. My cholesterol
2: has never been higher than eating after doing these shows. That's
1: 20% off and free shipping when you use the code HBD at manscaped.com. Do it.
2: Check us out on OnlyFans, too. just <laughs> No, he's not kidding.
1: <laughs> who was it? There was somebody who... It's I Only think Man's.
2: Got... It's Only Man's. I'm
1: pretty sure somebody called. got kicked off of OnlyFans for doing their podcast on it. I'm trying oh to
2: remember. There's Five Stripe Final, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Have you guys subscribed to Five Stripe Final's
1: uh, um, secret Snapchat account? <laughs> <laughs> the premium Snapchat account, I think, is what I should say. Joe Patrick has, happy late birthday to that guy. True legend, yeah. Joe Patrick has a, uh, has a premium Snapchat account. See what's behind the curtain.
0: What does that mean? You have to pay for it. Uh huh. No, you're gonna pay for it.
1: No, you're gonna pay for it, and then you're gonna <laughs> pay for it. <laughs> well.
2: All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us all collectively at Home Before Dark. That's before spelled B and the number four. I think we're all really just on Instagram, except for Dan, who's also on Peloton. Where can they find you at, Tim?
1: You can find me at my name. That's Tim Herb, T I M H E
0: R B. And what about you, Dan? You can find me at DNJMS or to the pair of Dan. <laughs> On the ton, as the kids are calling
1: it. Oh my God. The ton? Oh. What if they made a Peloton, but it was a Tauntaun?
2: A peloton Yeah, peloton <laughs> <laughs> We so don't
0: really have to do any exercise on that. You just ride no, it. No, no, no. But it's, like, it's oh. like the frame of it
1: is a tauntaun, but you still have the pedals and... Oh. You know. Yeah, I it's mean... Like, it's I just could... like a
0: skin
2: that you put on the... It's like those cardboard taxis. You know, it looks like you're driving a <laughs> taxi, but it's just
0: the shape of a tauntaun. <laughs> I mean, I could do that. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. That'd be pretty great. I'm not going to do that.
1: All uh... right. Tune in Tune in next week when you have to watch Dan shave his bullocks live on the show.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Is there is there another
1: British on phrase the peloton for it and bo- bollocks? Am on, I using it on right the now? peloton yeah.
2: at the same time? Mm. Uh he, His Scotch eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much sausage. <laughs> Why is there so much sausage, Dan? I haven't said it. Did what. you hear the story this last ratio week? Was about... so far off. Is each one of these a pound of meat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think you need to see the doctor, Kevin. <laughs> Didn't you hear his story last week about his heavy genetics? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I listened to that back and thought, man, she probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but what you gonna do? Oh, man. oh, God. Yeah, we're still recording, by the way. Yeah, really good. I, I think everyone's signed off of the trap no more of this
2: find (laughs) us all on twitter at home before dark that's before so we'll be in the number four leave us ratings and reviews however you found us if you found us on youtube be sure to like and subscribe hit that bill holcomb icon the bell icon to get a notification each and every time we go live and join all the lovely people in the trap each and every week until next time as always be home before dark
0: i haven't got to come back because we're going to get
2: destroyed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're gonna go and deafen them. We're <laughs>
1: gonna <laughs> go deafen them. What? <laughs> <laughs>